All right. So there's an elephant in the room or an elephant in your pocket or wherever you keep your uh, cell phone these days. Uh, we're going to be in a series on uh, addiction and probably apropos to begin with uh, your phone, which seems everyone has, and uh, our addiction to scrolling through your phone and, and more specific in, in social media and how um, millions, if not billions of people now are addicted to their phones, um, just like you would be to alcohol or a drug or a person now we're addicted to our phones. So it was a good place for us to start this uh, addiction series. And I'm sure Dana has a few comments about uh, social media addiction. You know, Kim, I will tell you that um, reading about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those other platforms, probably the most frightening thing I've ever read about in my life. Just stunned at cleverness of people that do what I do for a living, psychologists, and how they have devised all the algorithms in order to get people addicted and to lose control of themselves and to take advantage of our loneliness and our desperation for contact and and uh, the dopamine receptors in our brain. Super frightening how they harvest us for information. And uh, just so Dana and I aren't exactly experts on the, the social media piece, uh, we're joined in this episode also with uh, Justine Hamilton, uh, who offers her two cents and, and uh, her odyssey into social media as well. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode on uh, the addiction to social media. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now here are your hosts, Kim Foskey and Dr. Dana Saperstein. All right, so on today's episode, we're going to talk about the new American drug, or I guess it's the new world drug called social media. Um, this is going to be a series uh, that we're going to talk about on, on addiction and first, I want to actually read what the definition of an addiction is. And I'm going to try and do this out my glasses on. So an addiction is defined as not having control over doing, taking, or using something to the point where it could be harmful to you. So statistics are saying that uh, 10% of the population um, is addicted to social media uh, here in 2022 and that the average person is now spending 147 minutes a day on social media. So that's probably a good point to, uh, to start this discussion. And, and we welcome uh, in studio today is our co-hostess, Justine Hamilton, along Hi. with Dana and I, um, for an hour discussion on uh, what social media is actually doing to our lives. You didn't tell me about that statistic. Now i got to go take some Valium. 
Because <laughs> it scares the crap out of me. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know about. It. I know you don't spend 147 minutes. I'm. I'm guessing that Justine doesn't spend 147 minutes. But I may have to set a timer <laughs> going forward uh, to see how much time I actually spend. So I'm going to go through this checklist, and and you guys can either agree or disagree on if it affects you. But there are actually seven signs that certain psychological or, or certain psychology groups have come up with uh, in terms of social media addiction. And the, the first thing uh, that it talks about, is it the first thing you do in the morning? It was. Okay. So that's one of the things. Um, it is for me as well. The Dana, first thing you do? Yeah, is look at your social media in the morning. Uh, I must be retarded. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not supposed to use that word, am I? No. <laughs> I must be handy capable. Do you check it during your work day? Yes. No. Okay. Justine and I are two for two. You're okay. 0 for two, which good for you. Yeah. We're so losing this, Kim. You become anxious when you cannot check it. That you're away from your phone or you're doing something else and you realize, oh my God, I got to check my Instagram or my Facebook or what's the newest TikTok video? Oh, I'm over three. Absolutely. No, no, I'm not that either. I don't No, If it's not, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind for me on that. All right. Um, you're constantly checking on how your posts perform, like who's liked it, who's viewed it. I wouldn't say constantly. Okay. I would say I check. Like I check, I post and then I'll check and then that's kind of it. And then it's out of my head. And you're checking it for the numbers or you're checking it for whom? Whom. Okay. And, and why does that matter to you? It, well, it doesn't matter. It's just an, I ju it just, it feels like, oh, I'm being seen or, oh, they've seen this. And it's, so it's a connection, but it's really just a dopamine boost. Yeah. So is it, is it validity for you that like, oh, I put something out there that either people liked, they found interesting. So now I'm interesting. No, because I think I'm interesting. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get, yeah. I mean, we can talk about this more after you go through your checklist. Okay. Because I'll, I'll tell you sort of how I what I post about and how I post. It's a little, it's thought, it's not, thoughtful is not the right word, but there's a method to my madness. Okay. So there's a follow-up uh, point to that one as well. You spend a lot of time planning and overthinking your posts. No. Okay. Um, you think you hear your phone when it really didn't buzz. Well, Five minutes ago, I didn't know if it was my phone or your phone, so I guess, yes. <laughs> okay. Dana? You know, I'm feeling, You don't even know where your phone is. I'm feeling really, like, incredibly old because incredibly I wouldn't smart. even know how to make a post, let alone <laughs> think about what I would say. The only reason that I look at it is because our podcast gets advertised. Right, on Instagram and on Facebook, Instagram and right, Facebook and by, TikTok, actually. Yeah, by our lovely daughter and my lovely daughter and <laughs> and you. Right. So, I, I, you know, I, I look at that stuff, but if I had to make a post, I would have to hire somebody to do that for me because I have no idea how I would do it. So even though, even though this is 
not necessarily an anti-social media thing. We want to remind people that are listening that the Fear Me Out podcast is on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and TikTok. Yes. So please take a look at our posts. We would yes. appreciate that. That is the only thing. And then, I, get, and then get off and put that, your phone away. Yeah. That's the only thing Good I luck. care about is that, yeah. is that our ratings get boosted up and that people pay attention. And, and you that. can look at Justine Hamilton's as right. well. She would exactly. appreciate that too. Well, I, you know, I should admit that my computer's made out of wood. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no uh, uh, electrical components to it. So you, it's you, got, you got one of the original Macs that looks like a box? Yeah, it's simulated. Okay. <laughs> and so the last one is that you neglect the rest of your life in favor of scrolling. God, no. No. Yeah. I would say no. No, me either. Um, yeah. So, so you but guys are only partially addicted. We're only partially addicted. But is I mean, is I'm going to ask you as a psychologist, is there such a thing as a partial addiction? I mean, I can have two drinks and stop, but I have to drink those two drinks every day or, boy, the opium was really good. I can stop now? Well, I, I look at it like um, you can be an alcoholic that doesn't function and gets into all kinds of trouble and you know, with the law or work or relationships or whatever, or you can be a functionally alcoholic. And I think there's a really big difference between uh, how so, impaired you are as a result of your addiction. So yeah, you can be partially addicted if, as, as long as it doesn't impair your life in such a way that it's causing serious problems. So Justine and I are functional uh-huh. social we're, media yeah, addicts? We're yeah. functional yeah, addicts. you're much more <laughs> functional in your addiction than, uh, than somebody who truly cannot control themselves. But again, in doing the research for this uh, podcast, it scared me really deeply how all of those platforms are designed to stimulate dopamine receptors in your brain. And they model them all after slot machines in Las Vegas. And uh, if you look at the buttons and the, the lights and the, you know. The pretty all, pictures. And all the colors and everything. Yeah. It's all compu- it purely designed to get you to spend as much time as possible on every platform so that they can harvest your data because that's how they make their right. money is by, by, um, well, I, I uh, <laughs> you're going to go through the terms and conditions <laughs> of all the social media. No, I'm not going to do it all, but I will just give you a few. <laughs> it's be like a deposition now. Well, I mean, if you, if there's five takeaways I read about on Facebook's agenda. Okay. And I'll just mention them really briefly because yeah. I think they're really important. Um, there's a notion that Facebook, as an example, wants you to connect to the world. And that sounds lovely, right? Yeah. It's a good premise, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, um, because they want to bring the world closer together. Mm-hmm. And that's their mission statement. It now, makes them money if they do that. Yeah. The problem with that is that uh, in order to join these organizations, uh, you have to be willing to surrender all of the information about yourself, your friends, the things you're interested in. Because you, when you, they won't let you on the platform unless you're willing to give up everything about yourself. Right. They can even listen to your conversations on your phone and on your computer and do whatever they want. And the weird thing is they own all the information. That you give up the rights of ownership to your pictures, to your posts, to everything. And they can use them in any way they want. And you readily sign that agreement if you want to be on the platform. And that's, it seems to me, a bit of an invasion in privacy. No, they don't advertise any of this because it would sound really evil if people really understood what they were signing up for. Um, but it's all there if you want to look for it. Um, they also claim that one of their main goals is to connect you with organizations and uh, and people that you care about. They did a good job doing that in the last election. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the, the problem is that... Um, so did Russia. Well, 
all of us human beings have a certain degree of loneliness and a need for connection. It's all part of being a human being. And the whole way that these um, sites are set up is to tap into your loneliness and tap into your need for connection. The problem is that going on your computer makes it seem and kind of feel like you're connecting, but never in the same way that if you do it in person. And some people probably like that arm's length, right? Um, From that connection? Because well, it's not as intimate? Not really, because it's, it's, it's built on, the, on the, a meth model of addiction. Um, the first time that people take meth, it's the most glorious experience they've ever had. And so every time they take meth again, it never reaches the same level of euphoria as the first time. And they came up with a term called chasing the dragon, which is you spend the rest of your life trying to recreate the initial feeling of what you get when you try meth for the first time. But it's physiologically impossible once you've tried it to ever get back to that place again. So it's the same with social media. Um, you're wanting to feel connection, really dying for it. And you only get a partial hit of dopamine. It's not as powerful as it would be as, you know, us sitting in the room here connecting with each other. But you didn't have to leave your room, which is nice. That's right. Right. And But, but it shows you, or at least it introduces a potential of not having to do anything to be connected to other people. But it never reaches that level. So you're always going back for more and always going back for more. Anybody that has, in quotes, an addictive personality is going to be overcome by their need to recreate that feeling in their brain. And we may have talked about this on a previous podcast. Is there such a thing as an addictive personality? I think that some people are more prone to addiction than others. Absolutely. Because we know it's not physiological, right? That there's not a physiological gene well, but there, or, but there or actually, DNA. There actually is a physiological difference between people that become alcoholic, as an example. Not everyone, but a lot. Um, compared to, like, it, when I drink alcohol, my body recognizes it as a depressant, as an example. So after a drink or two, my you're body... You're not a happy drunk. No, my body says to me, stop this. It's You're, you're, you're poisoning <clears throat> yourself. Plus, it makes me fall asleep and, like, you know, I'm, I'm like the cheapest drunk in the world. <laughs> One beer and I'm under the table. So alcohol is not for me. But everybody that I've ever worked with that has developed a problem with alcohol experiences alcohol not as a depressant but as a stimulant because they metabolize alcohol differently than the rest of us. How you can explain that, I don't know. I'm assuming it's physiological. I think it's an inherited... Uh, certainly um, has to do with certain races, like more Asian people are allergic to alcohol than any other, any other race. And in the American Indian culture, the reason that, the, you know, they always show these, you know, drunk Indians is because um, in that population, the ability to metabolize alcohol uh, is not really very present. And so people be, become addicted to the stimulation because we love stimulation as human beings. Animals love stimulation. I mean, if you go to, like there's an apple orchard in Yosemite and every fall, the apples fall from the trees because nobody harvests them anymore and they ferment. Mm -hmm. And it's actually kind of funny. So the, bears get, so the bears get drunk. Yeah, so you watch bears stumbling around, <laughs> crashing into right. trees and you watch birds flying Same into thing. trees also right. because they're all drunk. <laughs> that <laughs> because, I'd watch on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's I've been there and I've seen it and it is a little bit humorous until you realize that, you know, these, animals and birds are getting drunk and to the point where they lose control of themselves. So, so the point, the point being is that the algorithms that were developed for these social media sites were developed by psychologists 
that knew full well what they were doing, right? Because they wanted to keep driving you back to the platform for 147 minutes a day. Oh, they would prefer that you do it 24 hours a day if, if they have their choice, because the more time you spend, the more information they can gather about the things you're interested in. That's why if you have a conversation with somebody on your phone, and the next thing you do is open up Facebook or Instagram, and you see an ad for exactly what you were talking about, it's like, wow, they read my mind really well. They're not reading their mind. They're listening to your phone conversations. So let me ask you a question that, that may be a little bit of a one-off from this. But do most people, when they hear the term addiction or think about the term addiction, think that it has to involve a substance? Well, uh, social media stimulates the production of dopamine, which is a substance that creates a feeling of well-being. Shopping addictions. I mean, well, there's, there's sex yeah. addictions. Yeah. There's you know yeah. other things, but I'm thinking that when we talk about addiction or people talk about addiction, when you brought up meth or or any drug paraphernalia or anything like that is, mm-hmm. or alcohol is what is commonly um, thought about as an addiction. And I think probably you know social media has been around long enough now. People know that it can potentially be harmful, but. I wonder if they, if most people actually think that it's an actual addiction or it's like anybody that has an addiction. Well, I could, I could give it up anytime I want to. I just don't want to give it up. Well, think about what it's like when you feel really lonely and what that does to you on a physiological level, not just on an emotional level, right? I think loneliness in some ways kills people because we're not designed to be alone. Right. And, um, these platforms were designed to create the illusion that you're not alone, even though you are. It, it creates enough of a feeling of connecting with other people that it takes the edge off of your loneliness, although it's not a real connection. It's a, you know, a generated connection on your computer. But on a physiological level, you just want more and more and more because we all really want to feel connected to each other because so many people suffer from loneliness. And um, if you think about love who has enough love to sustain them for the rest of their life you can feel love in moments that feels really really good but you're always looking for more because you know that feeling of love is very much like eating you you know you can be stuffed and then two hours later you're looking for more food because your body has metabolized it yeah the love account's always empty yeah (laughs) and i think that our emotional body metabolizes love in a way where Mm -hmm. if you don't have a constant diet of it then you're going to crave it and so these platforms are designed to take advantage of your craving for love and connection, which to me is super scary because find me some person that is not going to be subject to that need for love and connection. Well, then the algorithms go to work and start right. showing you all the people that think the same as you, right. act the same as you, right. which is how we kind of got into the situation that we're currently in. And it looks like it's going to continue just to divide us even more. But yeah, they know exactly what they're doing and you just don't know how this is going to end or continue to separate everyone. So this, this platform that brought us together is really separating us. Justin, do you remember the the first time and you either signed on to Facebook or whatever was around at that point and why you did it? Yeah, I had a nanny. So it was probably 2000 and six or seven she was from the east coast and she and back then you know it was all it was at harvard and it was just it was a facebook was a college platform right and i think it even didn't start to like 
um, rate girls or something. I, I think that was originally his premise for yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So she told me about it. And I mean, I was like, oh, what? How, how does that work? I am home, you know, for the most part with the newborn. She signed me up. I started posting. People started, I started connecting with friends from high school that I haven't seen in 20 years and family that, you know, live across the country. And that was 20, what, or 18 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. 16 years ago? 16 years ago. I was looking back today in preparation for this episode, and I think I signed on in 2010. 2010, yeah. Well, it's funny. Have you ever tried to go back? Because, like, I, I could justify it and say, well, it's sort of like a history of my life. So when I'm old, my kids can look at it and see what I was posting when they were two and whatever. And I just sort of have this visual. But have you ever scrolled back to try to see posts from, you know, even two, three, four years back? I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, maybe may I have gone back a year, but not They make it that. so hard. Like you, it keeps reloading. So, I, you know, this whole thing that like, oh, I can go down memory lane from 2009 when my kids are dead. You, it's almost impossible to like, go back there. Takes a long time to load. And then it's, yeah. So it hasn't turned into this great, like memory lane thing for me. Well, I think <clears throat> I was thinking about this. I think when I signed on in 2010, I thought, oh, this is a great way. Like you were saying is kind of reconnecting with friends that you haven't seen for years or had moved out of town or, or whether it was high school, whether it was college family members that don't live nearby. Mm-hmm. that could, you know, easily kind of track their lives and, and your life. And, and, oh, what a great, what a great tool right. to be able to use. And then, boy, did they. That was their marketing, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think they knew what they're doing all along, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, and I think it, it changes so much too, but like the premise is there where it's like, no, it's just to get your information and send it out. So we roll forward for 12, 14 years now I know you have a business account, but I'm sure you have a private account as well. And so what do you use it for now? Um, so my business account I was doing, and I, I've kind of stopped because it didn't feel authentic to me. It was for my coaching page, and I was working with a social media person who's like, you need to do reels because that's when you get all the, all the hits. And so my numbers were growing, but at the end of the day, I like to get my clients word of mouth. I don't really care if, you know, some woman from Ohio finds me that I've never met on my social media thing. So I've kind of stopped posting over there and it's just been dormant since this, the summer. Yeah. I kind of felt like you had dropped me off of oh, that. Oh, I didn't drop you. I dropped, <laughs> I dropped me. <laughs> okay. Um, and then my personal one, you know, we can justify it however we want in our heads, right? Like I was thinking about this in anticipation of our podcast is, yes, I know what my high school friends are doing. Yes, I know what my cousin is doing in Iowa. Do I really care? Like, do I really care? Is it really adding meaning to my life? I mean, a little because I know that they're still alive and you know a little bit of what they're doing but I don't really care mm-hmm. I mean if, if Facebook wasn't around and I had never knew what I don't want to say any names <laughs> I didn't know what <laughs> this person was doing would I care no so why do I keep going there and you know sort of 
checking what they're doing or seeing their their feed. And I, I'm a lot less on Facebook than I am on Instagram. And the one thing that Mark Zuckerberg did super, super right is you, when you post to your Instagram account, you can post to Facebook at the same time. So I don't even have to really go on Facebook, but if I want to post to both and my family's mostly on Because you're in the meta, you're in the metaverse. Because I'm in the meta, yeah. Mm -hmm. So all I have to do is toggle over. Well, it stays toggled over. So that was really smart because it keeps me engaged with Facebook where if that wasn't the situation, I I wouldn't be on Facebook. I would only be on there to say, to show my dad stuff, to be honest. And at that point, I can just do a group text. Do you remember the day, this was probably a decade ago, where the next iteration of Facebook was everybody was checking in somewhere? So somebody would be like... Checking in at Target, yes. checking in at Vaughn's. It was like, you got to be kidding me, yeah. right? That yeah. people were actually posting that stuff. Well, that was probably a way for them to engage corporations too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And then the first, wasn't the first one like, how are you feeling? And you'd be yeah. like, I'm feeling sad. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, I think that was the beginning of the the emoji use and, and Facebook trying to prompt more user interaction. Yeah in that way and, and kind of dealing into the psychological aspects of, of your life there. I, 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 it, it's amazing to me because I was never a TikTok user and I know some of our stuff lives on TikTok these days. Um, Justine and I, if you haven't heard this before, both have teenage children. So our children are heavily in TikTok. I'm sure your kids are Mm -hmm. right. I shouldn't just assume that. Um, and I, and my kids would forward me certain things, funny things from TikTok or funny things from friends on there. And I hadn't really taken a cruise around TikTok until about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if I should be horrified by what I saw on there. Um, but I surely came to the conclusion that now I know why the world is the way the world is today mm-hmm. on there because what what happened to privacy and that all of a sudden that everybody feels that they have to be transparent about their lives i saw people on there just talking about their divorces talking about the cheating on their their spouses talking about the date they went on the night before crying on there because they're so depressed right now yeah i, I mean that's that's what you know and and Granted, then there's other people that, you know, again, living their best life is, is the, I think, the biggest hashtag out there that look at how great my life is and living in a camper van or surfing waves down in Sumatra or wherever. Um, and it's what happened to people kind of keeping their lives private? Right. When, when did that change? And it changed because we all want to believe that we're important to other people and that... Um, People care about us. And if you don't have that in real life, you can certainly create it on the internet. Yeah. And I think if you, like kids that are the, the generation that is on TikTok, they, they started with iPhones when they were 11 or whatever. So right away, that is their validity. Where I think our generation, it's a little bit different where I would never go on anything and talk about super private stuff. But these kids... That, and then then it's a collective voice, right? They're all doing it. They're all saying it. And then it's, how can I up it? How can I get more engagement? How, you know, and it becomes just normalized. And it's the privacy and the modesty 
Right. And so I agree with you that this has become the communication device of the Gen Zs and and Gen Xs and, and, and millennials. But when I was talking about people being completely transparent to whatever extent that it was too much information, I'm talking about 40, 50 year old males and females on there. Well, I think then that probably goes back to maybe what Dana was saying a little bit where it's like they, especially if they're going through a hard time, they need to feel connected. And that little dopamine hit is making them feel connected because then they're on there talking about something and people are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, and I understand that if, if somebody feels isolated or feels that they don't have any friends to talk to that I guess making a video and putting it out there and, and from whatever comments or likes or whatever, I guess there is some validation that somebody's actually either they think cares or at least listening out there. You know, um, if you think about addiction, going back to the question you're asking, um, there's some characteristics that I think are important to think about. Number one, uh, find me somebody who's addicted that's um, not in denial about how serious the problem is. Yeah, that's the, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, well, yeah, so I have one or two drinks a night, seven nights a week. I could stop anytime I want. Well, and I could say the same thing about people that use social media to an extreme. I do it because it's fun. I'm not addicted to it. Right. It's not that harmful. It doesn't cause any problems in my life. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining. It keeps me from being bored. So it's not a problem in any way. And when I've asked people, well, do you care? that all of the information about you is available to be harvested for profit. I got nothing to hide. So I don't really care. What do I mean? What do I have to hide from? I'm not like a criminal or a, you know, yeah, I'm raising my hand on that one right now because I've, I've used that. So, so what's the big deal if everybody knows everything about me, I got nothing to hide anyway. Um, so, you know, lying to yourself is a big part of addiction. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to say that there's no, there's nothing good about any of it because some of it's entertaining. I mean, what's the difference between walking, watching TikTok videos and watching television? Right. It entertains you. It takes your, you know, it distracts TikTok's you from. TikTok's funnier. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's more creative, certainly, because <laughs> there's nobody that's uh, sanctioning or, or uh, you know, saying anything about what you post. You can post whatever you want. Right. Uh, no, and this is not an episode to either to encourage you to be on social media or to get you off of it. This is an episode about addiction. Well, and I just want people to know more than anything that you're being used for profit. And as long as you're okay with that, and you don't really mind that you're being used for profit, and that your information is being exploited, then it's up to you to decide how much of your life that you're willing to give away in order to be entertained. Because I don't necessarily think that the same thing happens um, maybe with television or whatever. I know that they pay attention to what you watch and all of that, but it's not quite the same thing as, you know, all the advertisements that show up, you know, you're talking it's about not the Nielsen ratings anymore. Yeah. Well, I need, you know, talk about, I don't know, I had this cocktail somewhere or whatever this, <clears throat> and the next thing you know, that, that brand of liquors being advertised on your, right on your Facebook page. And it's not like you posted anything. You just talked about it on your phone. Do you That's, care that they have your information and know everything that, you do? And, uh, and that they're making a lot of profit on your back. Yeah, um, you know, I probably acquiesce to the, the the same statement that Dana made that, you know, I've been on there long enough now 
that um, that I probably don't care that whatever information they're going to glean, they're going to gleam anyway, whether I use a credit card, a cell phone, on social media, whether there are spy drones out there, whatever you want to believe in, that if they, somebody really wants to find out enough about you, they're going to find, find it out. I, I think where my concern lies now as not only doing research for this podcast, but but also having conversations with friends over time, you know, listening to that gentleman that was on Rich Roll's pop podcast that wrote a book on Max Fisher. Max Fisher wrote a book on this. You start thinking about how where I'm more concerned now and, and where I'm a little concerned for my own kids is how it rewires your brain. Right. And and that's where I'm getting a little concerned about when I I was facetiously saying that I need to start a timer on how much time I'm spending on social media. Um, but it almost seems like I need to go to a detox place for, for social media. And I, and I'm certainly not one that, that sits there, you know, I probably answered yes, like you did to about half of those questions on there, but I probably don't, I'm not going to underestimate, but I probably spend way too much time on social media for absolutely no reason not to promote this podcast, not to do research for the podcast, which I do, which we do on social media, but I do fuck around on social media as as well. It's so easy. It's so, it looks like a slot machine and you use one finger to move things, not two, not a palm. They couldn't make it any easier to sit there and just mess around for no, and I'll, 147 and I'll, minutes. And I'll be sitting there doing my consulting work and I'll be stuck on something or I'll be bored with with doing it and I'll get on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's so e- yeah, it's so easy. It's 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 so easy. It's like like you were saying, Dana, it's the you know, if it's there, I'm going to use it. Have you guys ever heard the term uh, uh using people as whales? No, but this doesn't sound good for us, Kim. <laughs> well, I know about whales in Vegas, but no. Well, it's the same, same principle. That, okay. That Monetizing? Well, the people that Las Vegas relies on are called whales. Mm-hmm. And it's about 10% of the population. And they're people with a lot of money. And they're so addicted to gambling. And the odds in the casino's favor that they're going to make money on them. Yes. Everything is calm for them. Because they know that they can't control themselves once mm-hmm. they get the dopamine fix. Mm-hmm. And the whole principle of gaming and all of that stuff and the internet, everything is based on on those 10% of people that will lose control of themselves and allow themselves to be exploited financially. Uh, you know, a lot of the games, they give them to you for free. But then if you want to upgrade, you got to pay for the upgrades. And the, and, the, and the thing that works so well for them is that uh, enough people get addicted to it to support all the people that don't get addicted to it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because um, uh, there's only a certain percentage of people they need to buy the stuff that, you know, that costs them nothing to manufacture. Um, and, and they do really well on that financially. Plus, you know, if you look at, again, Instagram as an example, you think you own your photos, Right when you post them on Instagram, Instagram. I, I hope nobody believes that. Still, they but, do. But, you're, but I, I'm sure they do. That well, Instagram that, says what? you own all your stuff. Instagram claims that uh, that it doesn't take ownership of users' content, but then when you sign up for Instagram, it says that they own everything. <laughs> so what's the truth? You know that they don't own it, or they do own it. Well, they own it because they can use it any way they want to. 
So if you post a photograph that they find that they could sell for some reason or, or, or sell to an advertiser or whatever because it's going to generate income, they don't need your permission to give that photograph away. And that's just a small example. But if you think about how many, how many, how many millions of people are on Instagram, I have no idea, but I think it's a lot. Well, I mean, there, there, I mean, there's 8 billion people in the world, right? And they, they say that 210 million people in the world are, are at the addiction point now. So right. there's, you know, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more than that right. out there. So. And, you know, the other part of it is that Instagram makes you sign an agreement saying that you surrender all your rights to everything. So you own nothing that you that you put on Instagram and you own nothing about your own privacy because they can do whatever they want with it. And they make a lot of money. Those companies are, you know, they're really successful. They make a lot of money and they make all of their money basically by uh, selling your data. And right. as long as, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. As long as you're okay with that and you don't mind being used to entertain yourself, as you're saying, then there's no problem. I just don't think that people realize how much they're being exploited and they get nothing out of it except maybe some short-term entertainment. But I think it would be interesting to find out personally. I, I don't care if they know how old I am, where I live, how many kids I have. I, I don't care if then they target ads for me to that. I know that that's what they're doing with my info. But I wonder when they say we own everything, like is there some way to find out? Are they, I mean, is it really a case where they're going in and like, okay, well, we're going to take these six users' photos and sell them to so-and-so agency so they can put them in an ad? Do you know what I mean? Like, They're allowed to do that if they want to. I don't know how often it happens. Yeah, and I, but I, I think it would be really interesting to say, to see if they really did that or if, you know, they're like, okay, they've sold 10,000 user photos that are like they're on billboards in Zimbabwe or something. And then people might have a different reaction to it versus I might actually really like it (laughs) because you're getting more attention. Maybe, maybe, but I, I don't really care that they know that preliminary information about me. I I don't really care. I mean, I'll tell you how, when my birthday is and how old I am and where I live, you know, but I think that if it, if it is something deeper where they are really using stuff that is more personal then that is, that's a problem, probably for a lot of people. Well, one of the guests that we had on the show was a young woman who wrote a song about abortion. And she got us a lot of play and was on American Idol and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and, but when, once that went viral um, on her on social media sites, she, she got a lot of hate. A lot of death threats. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know how you would feel about one of your kids having threatened with death because of a song they wrote but she knew that posting that right i don't think she really understood how serious the uh, ramification oh. was. yeah and i don't think her mom understood either because her mom you know chimed in on on that episode either i mean i think they knew that it was going to be controversial but i didn't they didn't believe that they would actually get death threats yeah from it which they did yeah well that's because we're becoming more and, and, polarized yeah and that that same thing that same context that we were talking about, I don't know if you have Alexa at home. No, I, I, no, I don't have Alexa either, but you know, Amazon admitted that they were listening into conversations in people's homes and, yeah. and collecting that data. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you can't have it unless you're willing to surrender your rights. Yeah, so that's why they didn't, that's why the FTC and other people couldn't come down on them because when you bought the Alexa machine or or, yeah, or got permission. it started, you gave them permission to Just do that. Now, how creepy is that? That's creepy. That's why Alexa's in the garage, unplugged. <laughs> so they can hear your car. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Alexa. Take a listen to your car. Drive exactly. away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, I mean... Going back, Justine, to how you and I both started using social media, it, it's obviously changed now. And, and one thing that Dana was talking about, again, with the commonality of addiction, is this dopamine hit, mm-hmm. um, which if people don't know what dopamine is, there's there's different chemical receptors in, in your brain that, that cause you to actually have positive emotions. And dopamine is, is one of those. Um, but I feel now when I go onto social media and I'm scrolling through things that I'm almost, I almost, I don't feel like I've, like I've had this dopamine hit that I get this mini high from. I feel like I veg out now. But that's because you keep going back for more. It's and, and I'm not getting, and I'm getting, it's the meth thing, right? That I'm not getting that, that mm-hmm. high anymore. But you never expecting that. Yeah. Right. Did because you, but do you, did you used to like, do you remember, I, I guess when a pretty girl followed me or something like that, maybe that's the, you know, I, I don't mean to be facetious. I'm being actually serious yeah. on that. Or somebody that I admired or, or a, a, you know, I probably was a teenage kid in my mind when I put up a post and 200 people liked it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, that was good. Yeah. You know, that there was some credibility or validity or belonging or whatever you want to add into that, that... Um, yeah, you're part of the community. You're, you're part of those people that you admire or you follow now. I mean, then, you know, I don't have like my kids, I don't have thousands of followers, right? Pretty much everybody that I, that I have on my account, I know personally mm-hmm. now. So, well, think about um, one of the chapters in the book we're writing has to do with the fear of being judged. And I think that, um, part of why these platforms are so popular is because people mostly post things that other people are going to admire. Right. Right. They don't post the negative parts of their life, generally speaking. They post things. Well, apparently they are now. Because well, that's the that's the new transparency, right? That that I'm super cool because I can be vulnerable online now. So I have to tell you everything about my about my life and how how either good or how bad it is. But it's still looking for attention and approval, regardless of what the content is. Yeah, that's so what it, it comes down to. We're all looking for attention. Well, because it, it taps into our need to be acknowledged as having some importance and to matter. Because I mean, think about your own lives. How much did you feel like you mattered as a kid? Do I have do I have well, to answer that? Well, you I think have. I've answered that in, in <laughs> the prior forty five episodes on this show. But what about you, Justine? Yeah. How much did you matter as a kid? I um I was a burden. Yeah, I and, didn't. And how much pain did that cause you? Um, it it caused a lot of pain. Okay. And I it's and I even I. I even then, like I found sort of my mattering at school. So if my family wasn't going to acknowledge me, I was going to find that at school. And, you know, this is a modern way of the same sort of acknowledgement is like, okay, right. this community, oh, they think I'm funny. They like that picture, they whatever. And, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to really. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, ex- it encourages being centered outside yourself, which is something that can become addictive in itself. Well, and that's what we've talked about, right? About latching onto the external uh-huh. and, and not concentrating on the internal happiness, right. right? That you're constantly looking outside for that happiness or that, like you said, dopamine hit, that belonging instead of looking within yourself for it. Uh-huh. Well, it. if you think about, I'm not singling out Christianity in and to itself, but if you belong to an evangelical church, as an example, the credo is Jesus on top, other people next, and you at the very bottom. So what matters more is that you love Jesus and that you take care of everybody who needs to be taken care of, and your needs are secondary. Well, you're at service to God. Right. So it's even sanctioned in religion to be not focused on yourself. Right. And you're, you're made to feel horribly ashamed of yourself and that you're selfish if you focus on your own needs and your own feelings about what's happening around you. So that shame gets carried over into our society in a lot of different ways. But all it does is make the problem of loneliness worse. Because if you can't focus on your own needs, then you're, how do you meet those needs? And that makes you constantly looking to the outside for approval and acknowledgement and to feel special. Now, everybody wants a certain amount of attention. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all that fills you up with a sense of well-being and you're not filled up with your own internal sense of well-being, that creates a really serious problem in terms of how you feel about yourself deep down inside and how you live in the world. And again, I think that these platforms take advantage of that. Well, I'm going to say that's probably true of all the prolific posters on there, right? That Uh they're they're looking to fill themselves up. Well, and they've monetized it because if you get a lot of followers, you get paid for that. Right, that's true. And you get paid really handsomely. I mean, right. you can get paid for doing nothing other than looking a certain way or or <clears throat> acting a certain way. And, you know, when I talk to some young people and ask them, you know, what would you like to do when you grow up? Which is, you know, they look at me like, well, I don't know. But mostly <laughs> they just want to be rich and famous right. for yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Because that's what they're taught is the road well, to prosperity. There's a, yeah, there's plenty of that. Thank you, the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can be a complete loser, but as long as you look good and you can make other people feel bad about themselves because mm-hmm. they don't look like you. You can monetize that. You can monetize it and do really well, actually. Yeah. You ever yeah. unfriended anybody, Justine? Uh, maybe a handful, not not any that I can really think of. I've Yeah. Not really. I was you? just, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that from the premise of how we both started on the platform in, in terms of, you know, what Facebook actually said in connecting to the world um, and, and connecting with family and friends that you haven't seen in a while and things like that. I, I th- as it evolved over time, it became a, a platform for, you know, people not only to, to tell you that they're checking into Target, but it became a uh, a platform of, of vitriol and and a soapbox um, for their political views or their soapbox to to tell you what they thought about anything that was happening in the world and and yeah I I muted or unfriended people because of that because that wasn't the purpose that um, I, I wanted to be on the platform mm-hmm. and I don't really care about your opinion mm-hmm. actually you know and, and I'm not going to put my opinion out there as well because. Who cares about my opinion? You know, um, 
And that's why we're becoming more and more divided because the, the people that we aren't agreeing with, we're shunning them for just like they're doing to us. And then we're staying aligned with those people that politically are the same way. So now we're seeing this whole blue wall or this whole red wall in our feed and there's no one's talking to each other because we're just like, no, no, no. We're standing we're behind our wall. Yeah. We're standing behind our wall. And that's, I think one of the reasons why we become even more polarized. Yeah, you brought up a good point earlier uh, because of our teenagers, the commonality of having teenagers. Somebody had, when I had mentioned about using the actual smartphone actually as a phone, they said, what you don't understand is that you come from an era where communication was over the phone right? It was either over the phone or in person that there was no social media. There was no Snapchat. There was none of, none of those things. And, and these kids, this is how they communicate. It is. Yeah. And so trying to get them to do something you did decades ago right. is not their future. Right. So they can't even open an email. Let's talk about that. <laughs> email. What? I, I, I shouldn't say my son won't listen to this, but I'm, I'm wondering if he could actually write an email <laughs> That's, at, the, at this yeah, point. I'm with you. Um, but the concern, I guess, is, you know, because there's a number of books, there's a number of topics on Google and stuff like that about should you be limiting your kids' time on social media? Um, and interested to get your uh, opinion on that. Should, should I be 1,000%? Uh, I try. It is the hardest fight in our family. And more so with my daughter than my son. And I think that's just sort of the genetic makeup between men and women. Um, girls are on there connecting, comparing, talking. And, you know, the guys are doing that, but they're doing it in sort of a game scenario. Mm -hmm. I 100% think that it should be um, monitored. It's really hard to do, but it, and it's a constant battle. But it, we do it. But it, it is the it is the fight in our family. And so when, when you talk about monitoring it, do you allow only a certain amount of time on mm -hmm. their phone when they're at home? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll kind of be like, okay, you're on your own. You know how much you're supposed to be on there. Manage it yourself. And then, you know, weeks will go by and then I'll just be like, let, let me see your screen time. And it's too high. And then it's, you know, they are, they are just spending so much time on their phones. And part of me is like, okay, but I used to spend hours on the telephone talking to my friends. Mm -hmm. So part of it is that, and I understand that, but there's also, you know, just the waste of the scroll that, that we're all doing. And it's a, it's a really tough thing to navigate. And I, I think it's especially horrible for young girls. There isn't I mean, the, the negative role models and the just, I don't know, just the leniency of it all is tenfold of what it was like, you know, even five, ten years ago. And I'm like, are we just going to keep escalating this that pretty soon you're going to see like 10-year-olds in like bikini shots with, you know, their hair all done up? And I don't, I don't know where it ends because the time goes on and we just continue to make it more overt and more overt. And it, it bums me out. Well, I agree with you. I mean, it, 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 there is no end in sight, right? And it seems whether it's every month 
or every year to get worse. I mean, I mean, there's complete debauchery online now where kids are cooking chicken and NyQuil, which I'm sure people have heard about. I know it's, it's funny, but it's not funny because the, the, uh, the, um, the F the whatever the, the federal drug administration had to come out with a warning that chicken shouldn't be cooked in NyQuil that it was actually dangerous to your health. But that was a thing that was on TikTok and that had gained a lot of popularity, so kids were doing it, right? And then there's the the neighborhood debauchery that's been going around, at least locally here, where kids are trying to kick in your door in the middle of the night and filming it, and then moving on to the house three doors down. and trying Do they to, not know everyone in this town has a ring? And I, I they do I know they, I don't think that they actually realize that. And I know the story here locally was that a kid was caught um, because his face was on ring. There was a church event that was going on. Somebody took the video down there and said, do you know this kid? And they said, Oh yeah, he's part of the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but this is, I mean, it's, it's propagating these behaviors. So, you know, my, my, my daughter's in college now, so TikTok is still a big thing for them. But my 16-year-old son sits there, and I think he learns whatever he learns from as much as TikTok as anything yeah. anymore. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know that uh, TikTok is now the major source of mental health information in the United States. That's crazy. Coming <laughs> from sure. China, people. It, it, it gets more attention from a mental health perspective than any other uh, yeah. source of information on mental health in the United States, which is astounding to me because how long are the videos? A minute or two? Oh, they're, well, it depends on how many parts. I think they're limited to 30 or 60 seconds or, or a minute and a half a piece. Yeah, so, they're very short. But that's the attention span that's being uh, encouraged. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the major source of information for people in for people that want to learn about depression or anxiety or suicidality or anything. It comes from TikTok now, which was stunning to me. But that's why I said to you the, the other day, maybe we should start posting on TikTok <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's where people get their information. Yeah. No, I mean you'd be astounded, and if you've been on there, I don't know if you've ever toured TikTok, Justine, but. Stuff that gets a hundred thousand views or, or, or a million well, a million thinking, views, you're like you wanna me. you wanna bang your head on the table thinking there's a million people that actually watch this, huh? Wow. NyQuil chicken. That's NyQuil sounds, chicken. That just sounds so uh, delicious. <laughs> it's like what So I wanted to ask you this. I mean, now that you know we sort of Dana, you're you're home free on this one because you're, know. you're I, so you know, good. nobody ever asked me. <laughs> it's okay. Anything current. This is because no, you're I'm great. Picture. Also Justine's gonna be my palm start sweating now. <laughs> no, no, no. Because you can ask me this too. Um, I mean, you you know, you did some research on this based on this episode and having kids and everything else and just kind of looking at your usage. Are you going to change your usage or the time that you're spending on social media? Um, the short answer to that is yes. Um, I just don't know how I'm going to, to do that yet. I mean, I think I had mentioned the out of sight, out of mind thing. Right. If my phone's not near me, but then there's the, then there's, I'm working on my laptop. So do I have to delete those applications off my laptop or, or, or where they're not accessible to 
where it's become like a default mm-hmm. um, without even thinking about it. I'm next I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but the, the short answer is yes. And it was actually, it was a good segue because I was going to ask Dana because we are talking about addiction and this is an addiction, the same as any other addiction is how, how do you detox from an addiction or how do you, are there steps to, to get away from what you're con- over consuming? Help us, Dana. You know, <laughs> help us all. <laughs> I, I think it's a really valid question. And it's interesting that this came up because yesterday I signed up for a, a mental health chat room. Wow. On. Is that, is that for psychologists or for just anybody? Just, it's for anybody. Okay. Like it's online? Just, like, yeah, it's online. Not on TikTok. <laughs> no, it's not on TikTok. No, it's, it's a mental health. Well, it's, I mean, there's any subject you want to investigate. But I thought, you know, conceivably, I know a bit about mental health. And when I was reading some of the posts that people that were sexually abused were putting up there, people were talking a lot about what their experiences were, but nobody was talking about how to heal. So I thought, uh. I'm going to sign up and see whether if I start posting stuff, it will be helpful to some of the people that are on that platform. Now, I mentioned this because I think that that you can't just give something up and not replace it with something else. No, I understand that for sure. So that's so it's looking for something that's more positive to take the place of just the boredom entertainment that you're you know, when I talk to young people, most of the young people I know are super bright and really capable and lazy, like really lazy, because it's so much easier to watch TikTok and to recognize what you could bring to the table, even as a 15 or 16-year-old in creative endeavors. So I try to convince young people sometimes, hey, you know, there's stuff that you really like that is really appealing to you. Why don't you start doing that and start being super creative with your talents? Um, Even if you don't know how to start, somebody will help you get started. Because if you, you can't just give something up without a replacement. So, so what about an old guy that's that's not lazy but not really smart? Well, are you, who are you? T- <laughs> First of all, if you're talking about yourself, that was me. I don't agree with the notion that you're not really smart. So I'm, I have to take objection to your to your. I was hoping you're going to say, well, you're not really an old guy, but <laughs> well, that wouldn't be true though. So look, you, you and I have been uh, attempting to write a book for a few years now. Yeah, someday right? it will be done. So audience. So how much time? As an example, do you devote to TikTok that you could be writing? Oh, I know. Well, there you go. I'm, you just solved my problem. Minutes. And I'm guilty. You got 147 <laughs> minutes. I'd have three books out by and now. That's right. And I'm guilty also of being lazy sometimes because being entertained is. You got to stop watching South Park instead. Well, that's true. But that's not, that, that's not laziness. That's, that's cultural enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else may go to TikTok, but you and I go to uh, South straight Park. To South Park. For, our, for our information. That's where I get my news. Yeah. <laughs> It's straight from South Park because <laughs> they know the truth. If you can't have spite and uh, put down other people, then what's worth it? If you can't make fun of everything, yeah. then there's no point in being alive <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think that, you know, in all seriousness, that um, I think that one of the reasons why a treatment for addiction doesn't work is because we're so happy when somebody stops using, um, but there's no attention paid to what's going to take its place. What's going to give you a sense of well-being? What's going to help you with your anxiety? What's going to help with what the underlying issues are that create the addiction in the first place? Because I don't think that um, most of the time 
addiction is the primary problem. I think it's a symptom of bigger issues. So um, if you want to give something up. Yeah, gotta, so what are you saying? You got to have something to replace it. <laughs> okay. That's all. Something uh-huh. that stimulates your mind. Because when you're a really smart person and you don't have enough stimulation, you're going to find things to entertain yourself. Right. Uh, that are really easy. Well, yeah. And they, I mean, they make it so hard because you just do like a quick five minute mm-hmm. scroll versus like, I'm not going to go pick up a book and read like two pages because I have something to do in five minutes. Right. So like I want to fill this like little five minute of like I'm taking a break from work or whatever. And but you know what's weird, Justine? What? That's actually what I do. That's exactly what I did before I came to the podcast today. You was I had like oh, I gotta leave in ten minutes. No, I didn't read a book. Oh, you scrolled. I scrolled. Yeah. You know what I did at lunch? I read my novel and then I started reading a magazine. Well, yeah, but um, you that was at lunch. But what about five minute increments? I, I would you I, pick I, up I and read, read a magazine. page or two? Yeah, absolutely. I am. So oh. as a he looks for another car to buy. He's not. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> ever since I was a little kid, he's a shopaholic. Well, <laughs> ever since I was a little kid, I love books. They they stimulate my imagination in the way that feels really good. Yeah. So I always got like five books that I'm reading, which makes me a dinosaur, and ten magazines that I have laying around because I want to learn about everything I can learn, and I just don't find that I can learn as much on the internet as I can. In my old school ways. No, no. But I know that I'm a dinosaur. I get that. But if you have five minutes. I will read a book. You'll I'll like, read a mag- you'll an just article. Yeah. yeah but, you're, but you're missing out on Bob from Poughkeepsie, who's an armchair psychologist <laughs> that, that can just offer advice to 100,000 people in 15 seconds. Well, the other problem is that I'm so self-centered that I really don't care about what other people think of me. So <laughs> uh, posting something would be a waste because uh, because it would, it would serve no purpose. It wouldn't make me feel any better if somebody said, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> right. I mean, I love doing the podcast because people tell me how much it helps them, but it makes me feel good that I'm helping people. It doesn't make my ego feel gratified. I just, I just want to help as many people as so I can because okay, that so feels good. What about doing that on social media? Like, what if you were like, you know, the Instagram therapist? And well, I, well, I don't want to do that because it's too impersonal for me. Like when COVID happened, it, I almost, I remember coming downstairs when I was just doing. Uh, zoom connections with people Mm -hmm. and i said to my wife i gotta retire i can't do this Mm. it's killing me not to have contact Mm. with the people that i adore and really look forward to hanging out with in the course of my day yeah but but what about and you and i've talked about this quite a bit we were just talking about where the you know where psychology and mental health is being completely consumed on on tiktok and, and by young people. By young people, though. Yeah. And so young people are, are either getting good or not so good advice right? On, on doing that. So, Well, that's why I joined that the, the chat room that I was telling you about, because these are people directly asking for help. And they're, most of them, I don't know if they can afford therapists. I have no idea. But I just thought, you know, if I could encourage these people to take um, their molestation seriously, not just in its debilitating ways, but there are ways to get help that mm-hmm. they might not be aware of and to really do whatever they can to try to heal those wounds. That will make me feel really good as a person. And I'm hoping that it would be helpful to the people that are, that are looking for help. So to me, that seems more satisfying than going on Facebook or Instagram and just sort of, you know, all the Instagram stuff that comes to me is psychology stuff. And most of what I read and think to myself, 
That's so <laughs> another self-help book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Some of it might be useful, but most of it is really kind of a waste of time because it's all platitudes. So, so we're bumping up uh, to the hour conversation end here. Um, do either one of you have uh, anything else that, that you want to add to this conversation? And then, Dana, I want you to, to kind of point out again the important points of addiction. If somebody thinks, again, if they're addicted to social media or listening to this and think they may be addicted to someone, something, um, what are the red flags they should be looking for? Well, that's a tough one because, I mean, think about the people you know that have alcohol addictions as an example. How many of them are willing to admit that it's a problem? Not not many. And have you had conversations with them to see, to sort of tell them you're worried about them? Some. And how do they re- usually respond? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. It's fun. I'm fine. I think that the, the problem with addiction is you come up against denial as the first response. And it doesn't really matter how much of a, a mess the person's life is. Um, the drama of addiction keeps you from having to face the real issues in your life, whatever the trauma might be or whatever the, the feelings you have about yourself and so on and so forth. And so even though it's really self-destructive, it's also like an insurance policy against having to take full responsibility for the things that have happened to you and didn't happen for you that are creating the problems in the first place. So I know that sounds really negative, but in order to help anybody, they got to want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you're willing to take a really good hard look at how, just put a timer Time yourself for a week and see how much time you spend and don't, you know, sort of look at it from a shame perspective. Like, oh, shit, I just realized I spent seven hours on, you know, (laughs) social media today because I had the day off. If you look at it from like a shame perspective, then you're just going to push it away and not deal with it. But to understand that it's serving a purpose like all symptoms do, which a lot of times is to keep you from your deep pain and and your deep self. And I don't envy anybody that's got teenagers right now because it is so hard to get them to take any of this seriously. They just look at you like you fell off a truck and landed on your head. And you're like the stupidest person that's ever lived. Because the problem is we don't understand because it's not part of our reality that we go up with. So we have no idea whether it's a real problem or not. It looks like one from our perspective. It doesn't feel like one from their perspective. Well, it's, it's normal to them. So right. they don't know. Yeah. Well, we're going to delve into the topic of addiction a little bit more over the next few episodes. And Can I just tell you one last frightening thing that I saw? Oh, sure. In Sweden, they have developed a capsule that takes the place of your phone. They embed it into your wrist. They actually cut you open. They put the capsule in your wrist. You don't have to carry a phone around anymore. All you got to do is talk to your wrist, and it has everything that your cell phone has on it. And every once in a while, if you want a new phone, you just take out the capsule and put in a new one that holds all the new. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's and people line up in droves to get these capsules in, inserted into their, uh, into their wrist. And it's not just young people. It's people of all different ages that just love the idea that they can have a phone inside their body and don't have to even carry something around. So you would have never known that if you were on scrolling through TikTok during your lunch break instead of reading about that, <laughs> exactly. right? And yeah. instead of talking to the hand, which was a popular thing a few years ago, <laughs> yeah, the now you're talking, talking to the wrist. Yeah. Anyway. Talk to the wrist. <laughs> Justine, thanks. 
Yeah. Appreciate you appreciate your input yeah. yes. on this, and Thank and you. again, we'll be talking about addiction in uh, in some coming episodes. So we always appreciate when you're willing to come in. Of course, I'm happy to do so it. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions. Feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.